Section 13 of The Governess, or The Little Female Academy, by Sarah Fielding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The fairy tale continued. The queen, in the meantime, suffered for the loss of her child more than words can express, till the good fairy Sibella returned. The queen burst into tears at the sight of her, but the fairy immediately cried out, you may spare yourself, my royal guest, the pain of relating what has happened. I know it all, for that old man whom I took such pity on was a phantom raised by Brunetta to allure me hence in order to have an opportunity in my absence of seducing the princess from her duty. She knew nothing but a probable story could impose on me, and therefore raised that story of the misery of the old man's son, from motives which too often indeed cause the misery of mortals as knowing i should think it my duty to do what i could to relieve such a wretch i will not tell you all my journey nor what i have gone through i know your mind is at present too much fixed on the princess to attend to such a relation i'll only tell you what concerns yourself when the phantom found that by no distress he could perturb my mind he said he was obliged to tell the truth what was the intention of my being deluded from home and what had happened since and then vanished away here the fairy related to the queen everything that had happened to the princess as has already been written and concluded with saying that she would wander about the castle walls for brunetta had no power over her and if she could get a sight of the princess she would endeavour to bring her to a true sense of her fault and then she might again be restored to happiness the queen blessed the fairy for her goodness and it was not long before sibella's continual assiduity got her a sight of the princess for she often wandered a little way towards that wood she had once so much delighted in but never could bring herself to enter into it the thought of seeing her injured mother made her start back and run half wild into the fatal castle Rosella used frequently to throw herself in her way, and on hearing her sighs and seeing her tears, would burst into a sneering laugh at her folly, to avoid which laugh the poor princess first suffered herself to throw off all her principles of goodness and obedience, and was now fallen into the very contempt she so much dreaded. The first time the fairy got a sight of her, she called to her with the most friendly voice, but the princess stung to the soul with the sight of her fled away and did not venture out again in several days the kind sibella began almost to despair of regaining her lost child but never failed walking round the castle many hours every day and one evening just before the sun set she heard within the gates a loud tumultuous voice but more like riotous mirth than either the voice either of rage or anger and immediately she saw the princess rush out at the gate and about a dozen girls laughing and shouting running after her the poor princess flew with all her speed till she came to a little arbor just by the side of the wood and her pursuers as they intended only to tease her did not follow her very close but as soon as they lost sight of her turned all back again to the castle sibella went directly into the arbor where she found the little trembler prostrate on the ground, crying and sobbing as if her heart was breaking. The fairy seized her hand, and would not let her go, till she had prevailed with her to return to the placid grove, to throw herself once more at her mother's feet, 
assuring her that nothing but this humble state of mind could cure her misery and restore her wonted peace the queen was filled with the highest joy to see her child but restrained herself so much that she showed not the least sign of it till she had seen her some time prostrate at her feet and had heard her with tears properly confess and ask pardon for all her faults she then raised and once more forgave her but told her that she must learn more humility and distrust of herself before she should again expect to be trusted the princess answered not but with a modest downcast look which expressed her concern and true repentance and in a short time recovered her former peace of mind and as she never afterwards disobeyed her indulgent mother she daily increased in wisdom and goodness after having lived in the most innocent and peaceful manner for three years the princess being just turned of eighteen years old the fairy told the queen that she would now tell her some news of her kingdom which she had heard in her journey namely that her sister-in-law was dead and her brother-in-law had made proclamation throughout the kingdom of great rewards to any one who should produce the queen and the princess hebe whom he would immediately reinstate on the throne the princess hebe was by when she related this and said she begged to lead a private life and never more be exposed to the temptation of entering into vice for which she already had so severely smarted the fairy told her that since she doubted herself she was now fit to be trusted for said she i did not like your being so sure of resisting temptation when first i conferred on you the gift of wisdom but you will my princess if you take the crown have an opportunity of doing so much good that if you continue virtuous you will have perpetual pleasures for power if made the right use of is indeed a very great blessing the princess answered that if the queen her mother thought it her duty to take the crown she would cheerfully submit though a private life would be otherwise her choice the queen replied that she did not blame her for choosing a private life but she thought she could not innocently refuse the power that would give her such opportunities of doing good and making others happy since by that refusal the power might fall into hands that would make an ill use of it after this conversation they got into the same car in which they travelled to the wood of ardella arrived safely at the city of algorada and the princess hebe was seated with universal consent on her father's throne where she and her people were reciprocally happy by her great wisdom and prudence and the queen mother spent the remainder of her days in peace and joy to see her beloved daughter prove a blessing to such numbers of human creatures whilst she herself enjoyed that only true content and happiness this world can produce namely a peaceful conscience and a quiet mind when miss jenny had finished her story mrs Tisham left them for the present that they might with the utmost freedom make their own observations for she knew she should be acquainted with all their sentiments from miss jenny afterwards the little hearts of all the company were swelled with joy in that the princess hebe was at last made happy for hope and fear had each by turns possessed their bosoms for the fate of the little princess and miss dolly friendly said that rosella's artful manner was enough to have drawn in the wisest girl into her snares and she did not see how it was possible for the princess hebe to withstand it especially when she cried for fear of parting with her miss suki janet said that rosella's laughing at her and using her with contempt 
she thought was insupportable, for who could bear the contempt of a friend? Many and various were the remarks made by Miss Jenny's hearers on the story she had read to them, but now they were so confirmed in goodness, and every one was so settled in her affection for her companions that, instead of being angry at any opposition that was made to their judgments, every one spoke her opinion with the utmost mildness. Miss Jenny sat some time silent to hear their conversation on her fairy tale, but her seeing them so much altered in their manner of talking to each other, since the time they made their little remarks on her story of the giants, filled her whole mind with the most sincere pleasure, and with a smile peculiar to herself, and which diffused a cheerfulness to all around her. She told her companions the joy their present behavior had inspired her with, but saying that it was as late as their governess chose they should stay out, she rose and walked towards the house, whither she was cheerfully followed by the whole company. Mrs. Teacham, after supper again, in a familiar manner, talked to them on the subject of the fairy tale, and encouraged them, as much as possible, to answer her freely in whatever she asked them, and at last said, "'My good children, I am very much pleased when you are innocently amused, and yet I would have you consider seriously enough of what you read to draw such morals from your books, as may influence your future practice.' and as to fairy tales in general remember that the fairies as i told miss jenny before of giants and magic are only introduced by the writers of those tales by way of amusement to the reader for if the story is well written the common course of things would produce the same incidents without the help of fairies as for example in this of the princess hebe you see the queen her mother was not admitted to know the fairies history till she could calm her mind enough to hearken to reason, which only means that whilst we give way to the raging of our passions, nothing useful can ever sink into our minds. For by the fairy Sibella's story you find that by our own faults we may turn the greatest advantages into our own misery, as Sibella's mother did by her beauty, by making use of the influence it gave her over her husband, to tease him into the ruin of his child, and as also Brunetta did, by depending on her father's gift, to enable her to complete her desires, and therefore never endeavouring to conquer them. You may observe also on the other side, that no accident had any power to hurt Sibella, because she followed the path of virtue, and kept her mind free from restless passions. You see happiness in the good Sibella's peaceful grove, and misery in the wicked Brunetta's gaudy castle, the queen desiring the fairy to endow her child with true wisdom was the cause that the princess hebe had it in her power to be happy but take notice that when she swerved from her duty all her knowledge was of no use but only rendered her more miserable by letting her see her own folly in the stronger light rosella first tempted the princess to disobedience by moving her tenderness and alarming her friendship in fearing to part with her, and then by persuading her to set up her own wisdom in opposition to her mother's commands, rather than be laughed at and despised by her friends. You are therefore to observe that if you would steadily persevere in virtue, you must have resolution enough to stand the sneers of those who would allure you to vice, for it is the constant practice of the vicious to endeavor to allure others to follow their example by an affected contempt and ridicule of virtue 
by the princess hebe's being drawn at last beyond the prescribed bounds by the cries and entreaties of that insidious girl you are to learn that whatever appearance of virtue any action may be attended with yet if it makes you go contrary to the commands of those who know better what is for your good than you do yourselves and who can see farther into the consequences of actions than can your tender years it will certainly lead you into error and misfortune and you find as soon as the princess had once overleaped the bounds another plausible excuse arose to carry her on and by a false fear of incurring her mother's displeasure she really deserved that displeasure and was soon reduced into the power of her enemy the princess you see could have no happiness till she returned again to her obedience and had confessed her fault and though in this story all this is brought about by fairies yet the moral of it is that whenever we give way to our passions and act contrary to our duty we must be miserable but let me once more observe to you that these fairies are only intended to amuse you for remember that the misery which attended the princess hebe on her disobedience was the natural consequence of that disobedience as well as the natural consequence of her amendment and return to her duty was content and happiness for the rest of her life here good mrs teacham ceased and miss jenny in the name of the company thanked her for her kind instructions and promised that they would endeavour to the utmost of their power to imprint them on their memory for the rest of their lives end of section thirteen